Hello, thank you for joining LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing, a PACN. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy for a PACN. I'm here today with Jesse McGill, Curriculum Development Specialist for a PACN, to discuss being prepared for the summer heat and sun. Welcome, Jesse. Thanks, Amy. I'm happy to be here today. Yesterday, I was out floating around the lake on our pontoon boat, and I did not bring my sunscreen because it was overcast. I am certainly regretting that decision today. So for the facilities, even with the best laid plans and preventative measures in nursing facilities, there are still heat-related risks to the residents. What are some of the conditions our listeners should be monitoring residents for? Oh, that's a great question. And with how hot this heat is, and we've had extreme heat across the country, it's really important to look at these risk factors really right now. And I really think two of the most common heat-related illnesses that people really focus on are heat exhaustion and heat stroke. And when we talk about our residents, especially those in long-term care, they are actually all at risk for heat exhaustion because the elderly population is at high risk. And those that have hypertension are at even higher risk. Heat exhaustion is typically something that develops over several days of high temperature exposure and having inadequate fluids. And so when we're looking at monitoring for this condition, you really want to look at the warning signs. Heavy sweating, muscle cramps, tiredness, weakness, dizziness, headaches, nausea, vomiting, or fainting. Now, another thing that can happen is heat stroke, and that's actually a much more serious heat-related illness and occurs when the body becomes unable to control its temperatures. And what happens with heat stroke is that your temperature rises very rapidly, the body is unable to sweat to cool it down, and this can happen in a matter of minutes, as little as 15 minutes, and can be fatal if you do not have emergency treatment. So it's really important to watch our residents that are at high risk for heat stroke for the warning signs, which can include a red, hot, and dry skin. That's a very important point, that their resident is not sweating. They're at their point where their body's unable to sweat, and that's what puts them at this high risk. Um, They may also have a rapid strong pulse, throbbing headache, dizziness, nausea, confusion, and it can lead to unconsciousness. Now those are two really big risk factors for heat, but there's also some other less high, less emergent risk, which is like heat cramps or heat rash. Now heat cramps will typically happen only if you have really vigorous activity, but a heat rash can occur whenever there's irritation by excessive sweating or that heavy sweat trapped against the skin or in skin folds, which we really want to monitor for and be able to treat that skin condition before there is skin damage. Residents can also be at risk for other heat and exposure related items, dehydration, and as you mentioned, Amy, sunburns, as well as bug bites. Thank you for that information, Jesse. I certainly have a lot of bug bites. In your opinion, what is the most important thing that staff in the nursing facilities need to do to prevent these heat or exposure related conditions? You know, when we talk about 
prevention, it's really looking at those risk factors. And as I said earlier, really all of our residents are at risk. So we know there's that potential risk for everyone in our long-term care facilities, but there's going to be residents that have additional high risk factors, and those residents may need additional interventions. And so when we look at the different things consider, medications is a very big consideration. For example, residents taking the anticholinergenics have a higher risk for heat exhaustion and heat stroke. And the reason this is, is because this medication decreases how much you can sweat. And as we talked about with the risk for heat stroke, when you have the inability to sweat, you have the inability to control your body temperature, and that increases your risk for that heat stroke. Now, anticholinergenics can be used to treat a variety of different illnesses, COPD, bladder conditions, GI disorders, even some Parkinson's disease symptoms. So there's a lot of different residents that may use this medication. Another example of medication is your diuretic. And of course, this is a medication that's also very frequently used in long-term care. And here we have that risk for dehydration. We also have a risk for a lower potassium level because of that increased urination. And when residents with diuretics have a lower potassium level and they're outside sweating, they can lose additional potassium due to sweat loss, and that can even put them at higher risk. So a few things to monitor there. A great thing to do at this point is to really work with your consultant pharmacist to really identify what types of meds have these heat-related risks and what type of meds have photosensitivity, like some antibiotics or antidepressants, which really can make the residents more prone to having sensitive skin while they're outside due to the medications they're on. And working with your pharmacist to help identify those types of medications and higher risk factors, we can put interventions in place to help prevent those adverse effects. Now, besides medications, there's a lot of other clinical factors that we can consider. Residents who already have a diagnosis of dehydration or have additional factors that increase their risk of dehydration. Residents that have a condition that gives them the inability to sweat, those with increased metabolic rates or have a history of having heat-related illnesses are all ones that we should really have additional risk factors and interventions in place for. Another consideration is resident's behavior and routine, really knowing what the resident does on a day-to-day -day basis. Does the resident go outside frequently? What time of day do they go outside? Do they like to sit outside for extended periods of time? Are they very active when they're outside? Do they move around? Are they wandering or pacing? Really knowing about the resident's typical behavior, we can put interventions in place to really help reduce any adverse effects from heat or being outside during very hot, hot times. That's really good information. Once you've identified risk factors, what should nurses consider when it comes to care planning? Oh, I love that you asked this question, Amy, because when we talk about care plan, it's to me one of the most underutilized tools in the long-term care facility. And when we talk about the care plan, it actually is exactly what it sounds like. It's our plan to how we're going to care for the resident. So when we look at a care plan based on heat-related conditions, we're really looking at the resident's actual and potential heat-related risk factors and working as a team to plan to prevent this condition or this adverse event from occurring. So if the team has not already done it, we need to look at all those possible underlying conditions, causes, risk factors to make sure we have this very holistic approach to considering and developing this plan of care. 
The plan should also include assessments that need to be completed when to identify indicators of a heat-related illness so we can really identify that quickly and put additional interventions in place as needed. So monitoring vital signs, watching for that increased temperature, increased respiration, changes of intake and output, as well as the other warning signs that we discussed when we talked about heat exhaustion and heat stroke. But when we talk about care planning, I really want to bring in education also because education is a huge part of prevention. So having the resident involved with their care planning process and so they are aware and educated on their risk factors and involved in the interventions is really key to having that resident involved and resident-centered approach. And when we're completing the education, this may be directly with the resident, it may be with the resident representative, it may be with the direct care staff, and likely with all of those who are involved in the resident care. And outside of just the care planning, there may need to be facility plans, especially when extreme heat conditions arise, things that the entire facility is doing to prevent heat-related adverse events with residents and staff. They may need to have more frequent ice passes or offer fluid replenishing snacks to uh, staff and residents. Thank you. Nurse assessment coordinators have a unique position with an important perspective on the residents. How can NACS help the interdisciplinary team in preventing heat or exposure-related risks to residents during these hot summer months? Oh, I love how you said that, Amy. The NACs do have a very unique perspective on residents. And before we get into what they can do with the interdisciplinary team, I want to talk about the perspective. And I actually want to compare this to like the catcher in a baseball game. And how appropriate is that? We're talking about summer and heat. And of course, a baseball game goes right along with that. So if we look at a baseball game, typically all of the positions in the field are facing the batter with one exception, the catcher. The catcher is actually facing the batter and all the other fielders. So they really have that perspective of everything that's going on in the game. And so when the ball is hit out to say the center field and everyone kind of turns to look at the ball, the catcher still sees that entire perspective of the batter running the bases, of the players filling the ball. And they really can be the person that alerts the team to where that play needs to go so they can try to get that out. So when we talk about the knack in that unique perspective, they're really that person that kind of sees it all. They have that view of the resident. They've reviewed the medical record. They've reviewed the different assessments from the different interdisciplinary team members. And they have that perspective of the entire team, as well as they should have the perspective from the resident, from completing those resident interviews and talking with the resident. So they really know the entire picture. And when it comes to care planning, this is where we really see the interdisciplinary care planning to identify risks, where we have a holistic approach from all disciplines and the resident. And most often, it's the NAC who's managing this process. So, for example, if we have, say, dietary staff and they have reported that the resident has a lower intake of fluids during meals than they previously had. And the nurse is now reporting that the physician recently increased the diuretic medication. Uh, nurse aides are charting increased frequency with toileting needs. And now we have additional behaviors showing increase in wandering frequency. The NAC may be the person who really has stepped back and sees this big picture and identifies that now we don't have just a increased risk due to diuretic, but we also have increased risk due to the lower fluid intake due to the increased 
exercise or activity with the wandering and due to the uh, more frequent output with the increased toileting due to the diuretic. And they really see that entire picture to identify all those risks and put it all into place so that we're not working in silos and we really see that entire picture for the resident. I love the baseball analogy and you're right. That was great. I love it. The catcher does see it all and the knack as well. They see a lot of the things that other people on the interdisciplinary team may not see or think about. So I love that. That's a great example. How might the heat or exposure-related conditions impact MDS coding? Oh, this is another great question, Amy. And I think one of the main things we want to focus on here, and it's also one that can put the facility at greatest risk during a survey, is identifying that significant change in status assessment. And when we talk about the SIG change, this is really an assessment where there's a major change, either a decline or improvement, that is not self-limiting, which means it will not resolve itself in less than 14 days. And it impacts more than one area of the resident's health status and requires the interdisciplinary team review or revision of that care plan. Now, that's pretty much in a nutshell what the REI user's manual tells us a significant change is. So when we talk about applying this to the heat-related conditions, if a resident has experienced heat exhaustion or heat stroke, the team will need to monitor for the need for a significant change. Now, the resident may recover back to their baseline status within 14 days, and a significant change may not be needed. But depending on the severity of the condition, it may take more than 14 days to restabilize, and that may meet the criteria of the significant change. So there has to be that process where we have documentation of the team making that analysis of a significant change need and then the determination of whether or not the significant change is actually needed. There are also other many heat-related side effects that could impact NDS coding. So you could see acute confusion, uh, behavior changes, changes with urinary or bowel habits. You could see fever or dehydration, vomiting, falls, loss of appetite, weight loss, medication changes, oxygen use, or even IV fluids. Now, when we talk about sunburns, there is a chance that a sunburn may require MDS coating, but that's only if it is considered a second degree sunburn. And that would mean that the skin is not only red, but also blistered. Now, a second degree sunburn may also require significant change. These burns can be very painful. They can take up to three or more weeks to heal and require skin treatments, dressing changes, cold compresses. So if a resident does experience a second degree burn, that's something that we really have to monitor closely and ensure we have the proper care in place, but also could be a significant change and definitely is a huge impact on the MDS. Another item that could impact MDS coating is your heat rash. Residents who have a heat rash, this may escalate to moisture-associated skin damage. And this type of wound may, might need ointments or dressings and daily monitoring by the nurse until that's resolved. But of course, you know, talking about everything that could end up on the MDS, our main goal is really to identify those risk factors, have appropriate care planning in place so that we can prevent these heat-related conditions before they even occur. Jesse, this is amazing information. You've provided our listeners with a lot of great tips, especially as some uh, parts of the United States are seeing record high temperatures and may have not had to consider these things as a significant event happening in their area. So thank you for joining us. 
Listeners, thank you for joining me today. For more resources and tools for nurse assessment coordinators, please visit our website at www.aapacn.org. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC NAC Chat Podcast. Heard the news about how you can improve quality care and increase efficiency with Ability? Ability offers a range of applications to simplify the complexity of healthcare, allowing organizations of all types and sizes to spend more time on care and less time manually collecting, analyzing, and reporting data. This allows you to remain in compliance while making data-driven decisions that benefit residents. With Ability, your facility can improve resident outcomes, optimize reporting data, enhance reimbursements, and much, much more. Discover what Ability has to offer at abilitynetwork.com slash a pack-in.